What shall I say of Belfast? First of all, it is a beautifully set city, the best in the British Isles. Where can you wander in bluebell woods and hear the roar of riveting and see the flash of acetylene welders? As for its citizens, they are perhaps the best looking in the British Isles. That is no joke. That is someone writing about Belfast uh, about 60 years ago. Um, I'll leave you to think for yourselves about how much of that description is still true. Um, But that is what we're thinking about tonight. We're asking the question, what should we say of Belfast? Well, I've been pondering that for the past couple of weeks. And what I definitely don't want to do this evening is give you a lecture on Belfast. Um, I wouldn't want to do that. And you probably wouldn't want to listen to a blow-in come and tell you about a city that most of you have lived in for far, far longer than I have. But what we are going to try and do this evening is answer that question, what would God say of Belfast? Over the past while, we've been looking at what God says about cities. Uh, We've looked at the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And then last time, Christoph talked to us about how that might apply to modern cities in general. Well, tonight, we're coming to what I would imagine is almost one long sermon uh, that we've kindly broken up for you into a few chunks. We're coming to the end of that, and now we're trying to apply what we've seen about cities in general to Belfast in particular. I think it's helpful to think of the Bible almost as God giving us a set of glasses, a set of lenses uh, to look through the world uh, with his eyes. And tonight, what what we've done over the past few weeks is get that set of lenses from the Bible, see some Bible principles. And tonight what we're going to do is put those glasses on and we're going to try and start taking a look at Belfast uh, through God's eyes. And I hope that as we do that, that will lead us to new attitudes, uh, new ways of thinking about our city and new actions. Well, shall we uh, pray for God's help? I I know I certainly need God's help as we come to think about this. So shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you that your word is sufficient to guide us in every area of our uh, lives and uh, of faith in you. And so, Father, we pray that you'd guide us this evening as we come to look at our city and think about how we as Christians might live faithfully within it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've got three ways of seeing that I think we've seen over the past few weeks. And we're going to look at each one of those and then try and apply that to Belfast. So the first one is this. Belfast is intrinsically good. We saw that God's commission that he originally gave to Adam and Eve in the garden to fill the garden and the world and have dominion over it would naturally lead to the creation of cities, places where people can flourish together. But because we're sinful, we also saw that our cities that we create are full of sin. They tend to not only concentrate good things, but also evil. But despite that, God still says that the primary vision that he gives us of the future is of a city, of God's people living happily together. We're not going back to a garden, but forwards to a garden city, the New Jerusalem. Um, And so cities, the Bible says, are good. They're intrinsically good, even if they are flawed here and now. Um, Tim Keller sums up the Bible teaching like this. The city is an intrinsically positive social form with a checkered past and a beautiful future. 
an intrinsically positive social form with a checkered past and a beautiful future. Well, you don't need me to tell you that Belfast recently has had a checkered past. And if we're honest, it's got a checkered present too, uh, just like any city would. Um, But I wonder if sometimes the difficulties that Belfast has gone through recently can sometimes blind us to all the good that there is in Belfast. Um, I've been reading... um, uh, an anthology called the Belfast Anthology, lot, a collection of lots of different people's writings about the city over centuries. And I've been really struck, you can't really turn a page in this book without seeing both the, uh, the glory of Belfast, some amazing uh, stories, some real wonder at Belfast, and I quoted a bit of it at the start there, and also, at the same time, some of the dark side, uh, some of the constant struggles that this city has had. And we noticed this as we went round Belfast on our bus tour a few weeks ago. Um, I had a look at some of the sheets that we filled in on that tour. And when we were asked about what brokenness we saw in the city, there were some pretty obvious themes. Uh, Lots of us said the peace walls. Uh, We talked about a divided city. And a number of us picked out the poor, rich division as well that we saw as we went round. Um, And all of that is, is backed up by the latest research. Uh, So, for example, the London School of Economics uh, said this about Belfast. The most difficult and critical task is to bring social integration and cohesion to a divided city. The divisions are still written into the territorial layout of the city. High levels of segregation persist along religious and increasingly socio-economic lines. Uh, We've got a few maps to just show some of this. So this is probably something fairly familiar. On the green, you've got people who would identify as being Catholic, and the orange would be people identifying as Protestant. And you can see that there's, there's very kind of hard, there's certain areas where there's a strong amount of green and a strong amount of orange. And if we move on to the next slide, this one's looking more at the socioeconomic uh, situation. And this one is uh, graphing for us to, um, Deprivation, uh, a measure of uh, how deprived uh, an area is. And the darker it is, the the more deprived it is. And you can see big swathes of the city are coloured in dark blue there. But then on the sort of periphery of the city, we can see some paler areas. And they've highlighted uh, for us the the bottom red circle there shows um, Upper Malone 2, which is the 98th least deprived sort of area in in Northern Ireland. But then very next door to it is Malone 1, and that is the 876th... Actually, it's the other way around. Malone 1 is is almost the... It's one of the least deprived, and then Upper Malone 2 is one of the most deprived. And that's what we see in cities. We see this contrast within a very short area between deprivation and then uh, lots of wealth. And we can see that on a broader scale across the city. If we go to the next slide... What they've done is they've kind of ranked all of the, all of the wards in um, Northern Ireland or in Belfast from a scale of the, least deprived, uh, on the most deprived on the left to the least deprived on the right. And you can see that Belfast, the city of Belfast, has got lots of the most deprived wards in Northern Ireland, the cluster of black lines on the left. But then out, outer Belfast has got most of the least deprived wards in Northern Ireland. It's the richest. And that's what you see in cities. You see these big contrasts and division. Um, and that's certainly very true in Belfast. In fact, people would say that it is, 
it's a particular feature of Belfast that we have got this, this increasing division. Um, and if we do the next slide, what's that? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. We'll come on to that in a second. <laughs> um, here's some of what we said, uh, maybe under the heading of Belfast Rocks, here's some of what we said when we were asked to look as we went round on the bus tour for some of God's goodness in the city. People said, peace falling here, economic revival, new buildings, businesses, etc. The green hills embracing the city, clean water, housing, and a well-planned city. Uh, somebody said, Dunville Park, Falls Road, beautiful. And I think I remember that. It was around sunset when we were going along that, and you could kind of see the sun setting and the view over the city. And somebody simply put, smiling people. And those are all things uh, that we can see in Belfast that are good things, things to celebrate. Uh, so in other words, you might say, Belfast rocks. Or, or you might say, no, no, it doesn't. And there is that tension, isn't there? But fundamentally, I think we want to say, as Christians, Belfast is great. There's lots and lots of good things about Belfast. Uh, lots of us said as we went round, somebody put um, that I feel awe at the history of Belfast. And lots of us said that they had pride in our wee country, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's not just the past. Um, today, we live in a city with lots of people around us, but clean water pumped for us in from the morns. Beautiful views of the hills. And there seems to be a different festival on every, every week, pretty much, that we can go and enjoy. And I'm guessing most of us get to just enjoy this and receive this. Um, we'll contribute to different pieces here and there, but the vast amount of it, we just get to enjoy and receive as citizens of Belfast. So how should, we, how should we think about that then? Well, as we look at Belfast, let's see it as good. And so let's thank God. Thank God for living in our city. Let's be grateful to him. And if you wanted a model for this, uh, you don't have to look any further than the Belfast coat of arms. Here it is. And you can see down at the bottom there, there's a Latin uh, motto. And I'm not going to read that. But if you translate that into the English, it actually turns out to be Psalm 116, verse 12, the one that Christoph read for us. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? That is what whoever came up with this coat of arms for Belfast wanted, imprinted, uh, as we think of the city. How can we repay the Lord for all his goodness to us? I'm guessing that we're not the first Christians by a long chalk to be wanting to thank God uh, for Belfast. Let's turn now to our second way of seeing Belfast. Um, and that is that it is our home for now. That's my way of trying to capture the idea that we saw in 1 Peter, that we are exiles or aliens in the city. Um, we're not just passing through on a tourist visa, but nor are we um, permanent Residents. We don't fully belong and find our identity here. We belong somewhere else, but we do build our lives here for now. We're sort of long-term residents. Um, and Peter was referring back to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Uh, and this gave us our key verse, really, for this series. Uh, Jeremiah told the exiles who'd gone into Babylon to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, um, as Peter picks up what Jeremiah says, he says to us, 
As long-term residents, we can't just detach ourselves from our city and expect to live in a sort of bubble, a kind of Christian ghetto, because our destiny is intertwined with the city. Um, And as Peter's writing to these Christians, he's aware that uh, people are really not sure what to think about Christianity and Christians. Will these new believers of this new faith, will they respect the government? Will they care about society? Who are these people? And so we saw that Peter stresses to the Christians that they need to really very obviously care about their society, respect their government, and contribute to it. They need to do good where God has put them. Because our destinies are intertwined. The way we get on with the city will will affect how people see us. Well, I've not found this an easy talk to prepare, uh, partly because, as we all know, religion and politics, uh, involvement in in the day-to-day life of our communities has proved to be a pretty powerful, potent mix in Ulster. And so it's quite tempting for me, and I think for a lot of Christians in Northern Ireland, to try and just detach ourselves from all that. Think, well, maybe our forebears made a bit of a mess of that. It's too complicated. Maybe that's not our job to be involved in that. Maybe we should just be focusing on individual salvation. But Peter would say, and Jeremiah would say, no, our destinies are too intertwined for that. It's not as simple as that. Um, Richard Dawkins was speaking uh, up at the Strand Arts Centre a few weeks back. I didn't get to go, but I did get to watch a video clip of him where he was asked the question, what's the problem with Northern Ireland? And he sort of, well, it's hard to say anything less than smugly, really, said, the problem with Northern Ireland is there's too many Protestants and too many Catholics. Well, we might think that's naive, but the thing is a lot of people in Northern Ireland seem to agree with that. We're seeing a generation of people who are leaving church and wanting to have nothing to do with organized religion because they think the problem is just that. And we saw that on our bus tour. A number of the answers to the question, how is the city broken, mentioned religion, including, I noticed, two uh, children's handwriting. Two, Two times children wrote that in. And so, for better or for worse, the cause of the gospel in Northern Ireland is very much tied up with uh, how are Christians perceived, how is religion perceived in Belfast. And we're in a situation a bit similar, I think, to the one that Peter's readers were in, where people are saying, Christianity, really? Does it really contribute to the health of our society? Um, And so we can't just sit back and expect people to think that gospel-loving Christians are caring or peaceable or upstanding members of society. We need to show people that. And you know, my tendency before I was really looking at this would have been to say, isn't this kind of thing a bit of a distraction from the sharing the gospel, which is the main job of the church? But this has shown me that, particularly here in Belfast, It's not a waste of time for us to be loving our city, to try and make ourselves known as people who care about the city, as gospel-loving Christians. Um, In 1969, John Hewitt wrote a poem called The Coasters, which I found in this anthology. And I wanted to share a little bit of it with you. Uh, He says this, You coasted along to larger houses... Gadgets, more machines, 
to golf and weekend bungalows, caravans when the children were small, the Mediterranean later with the wife. You did not go to church often, weddings were special, but you kept your name on the books against eventualities and the parson called or the curate. You even had a friend or two of the other sort, coasting too. Your ways ran parallel. Their children and yours seldom met, though, being at different schools. But now the fever is high and raging. Who would have guessed it, coasting along? The ignorant sick thresh about in delirium and tear at the scabs with dirty fingernails. The cloud of infection hangs over the city. A quick change of wind, and it might spill over the leafy suburbs. You coasted too long. I don't know if you could pick up there, but his target is really the Protestant middle class in the leafy suburbs. And you can tell that he's really mainly talking about sort of nominal Christians there. But I think we'll want to make sure that here in leafy Ballyhackamore, that we as gospel-loving Christians don't go the same way as that. That we don't coast along thinking that the problems are over there and not care about them. Let's instead be committed to loving this broken but beautiful city. And we can do that in our jobs. Uh, They will help to seek the peace and prosperity of Belfast. Uh, But if we're looking to do more, I suppose those two things that we saw on the bus tour might be the areas to try and focus on. Um, The political divisions uh, that threaten violence and to disrupt the peace of our city. And the economic deprivation that threatens the prosperity of our city. Well, again, we've got some good models for, for, for this from the past, uh, from the history of our city. Um, people who have professed faith in Jesus have left a positive mark on the city, not just in lots and lots of churches, but also in things like schools. Uh, two of the oldest uh, schools in Belfast, the Royal, Belfast Royal Academy and INST, were both founded by people from Belfast churches, and they founded poor houses and that sort of thing as well. One of the most interesting stories I've come across, though, is that um, the first Catholic church in Belfast was mostly financed, 80% financed, by the Protestant community. Um, It was around a time when there were three Presbyterian churches in Belfast, one Church of Ireland church, and no Catholic church for all of the Catholic people who had recently uh, started arriving. And so the Protestants got together and decided that they wanted to pay to build a church for the Catholics. Um, And the story goes that as the priest was preparing to walk in to take the first mass, he was given a guard of honour by the volunteer force who were all made up of Protestants. And then they followed, most of them then followed him in uh, to the service and took their seats at the back. Now, if I'm reading my history correctly, there probably was a bit of politics going on even there. But it still paints a picture, doesn't it, of a Belfast where Christians can be engaged and caring about the city and working across at some of the common divisions. How could we be doing this today? I don't, I don't know. I don't have any answers in this talk. Um, but I hope that we've seen that that's a question that God would want us to be asking as we look at our city. 
Well, our final way to view the city might give us a little bit of a steer on that, um, and that is uh, to, uh, that Belfast is strategic for gospel ministry, and so we should think wisely about Belfast. Wisdom in the Bible means living in God's world in God's way. We're foolish, the Bible says, if we try to cut against the grain of the way that God has set the world up. Um, for example, we might be foolish if, if we say that cities don't matter, if we say that they're not important and that it's okay, uh, all we need is towns and villages. Because everyone recognises that cities are important. They're part of how God has set the world up. And so we'll be wise to think of cities like that as strategic. And so it probably wasn't a surprise when we saw, when we looked at Acts, that Paul seemed to deliberately focus on planting churches in strategic cities, places like Ephesus and Rome. Because that meant that then whole provinces would get to hear the gospel from those cities. Um, And Tim Keller uh, helpfully sums up this dynamic that cities give. He says they're like a giant heart, uh, drawing people in and then sending them out. And so if you can get the gospel into the heart, then it will be very powerful. Last week, Christoph was showing us how globally cities are becoming ever more important as more and more people move into them. But you might, like me, have been thinking during that, but hang on, okay, that's all fine for the third world. But Belfast, that's a bit different, isn't it? Belfast breaks all the rules. Belfast is not a normal city. And there's some truth in that. Um, here's a graph, I think, coming up. Yep. In the last 50 years, the city of Belfast, which is that black dotty one, has shrunk dramatically. Um, and what has grown instead are the suburbs. Um, the middle column there shows places like Lisbon and Newton Abbey and Dundonald. And then the, the whiter column is places like Bangor and Carrickfergus. And you can see that if you're talking about the Belfast metropolitan area, which is all of those three columns, it's a vast area now. And a lot of people don't live in the middle of it anymore. And so we might reasonably ask, does it really make sense to talk about Belfast at all? Rather than a sort of giant heart, we might think of Belfast as more like a giant jellyfish. It's all sort of tentacles and not very much at the centre of it. However, here is what a recent report for Belfast City Council said. And this is how it began. The city centre is the most important place in Northern Ireland. It goes on, it is the place that represents Northern Ireland's future, a place that can be shared by all. It's a place in common where everyone from every community of every age and origin can enjoy life together. And I think there's a few reasons why, from a Christian point of view, uh, we too would want to say, if we're being wise, that Belfast, and particularly the centre, is strategically important. Uh, First of all, it's a place with an increasing number of people. 2011 was the first time since 1951 that there's been an increase in the population of Belfast. But it's an increase, it's going back up. And if we just take one uh, ward right at the very centre of Belfast, uh, Shaftesbury Ward, you can see I've marked on the map there City Hall and City Hospital to give you a sense of where this is, right in the middle. Um, In the last 10 years, its population has grown by 20%. If we could have the next slide, Lisa. There you go. Um, 
yeah, so that's the population of that one ward in the last 10 years. And, and for comparison, it's already got a 25% larger population than Ballyhackamore, uh, which grew by about 2% in the same time. So it's big in terms of people living there, but that is dwarfed by the number of people who work there. Uh, here's the number of jobs. Uh, 57,000 people work in that small area of the city. And that has also grown by 20% in the last 10 years. It kind of goes against some of the, the narrative that I think we hear, that the city centre, no one's working there, no one's moving there. People are. And so Belfast, even in the centre, is growing again in terms of numbers. Um, it's also continued to be vital culturally, secondly, Last week, Christoph was telling us about the time that he went to Los Angeles, and he was sitting in the city, and he realized that this city, Los Angeles, was going to be having a profound effect on his future children uh, with all, the, all of the films and TV that was going to come out of it. Well, despite Game of Thrones and The Fall, we're probably not quite on our way to our own Hollywood sort of scale influence just yet. But I am guessing that most homes here in Northern Ireland watch a locally produced TV show like Newsline or UTV Live or The Blame Game, is that what it's called? Um, I was hearing that that seems to be popular at the moment. Well, if we're honest, that the way those shows report the news or make jokes is going to have a very powerful influence on the way we think about what happens here in Northern Ireland. Um, and those shows are all being made in Belfast. Um, just a few minutes walk away from each other as it happens. In Ormo Avenue is where the BBC headquarters are, and Ormo Road is where UTV headquarters are. And so in that sense, Belfast remains like a giant heart. It's sending ideas out all across the province. And then if you think uh, under culture again in terms of education, it's only going to get bigger. We've already got Queen's, people coming in to go to university in Queen's, but the University of Ulster are about to move in 2018 14,000 people uh, into the city centre. So students are going to come in and be pumped full of ideas and then pumped out to the rest of the province and across the world. And that's going to be happening in Belfast. So Belfast is important because of the people, because of the culture. Um, and lastly, as that quote said, it's important because it is shared space, particularly the centre and we know that intuitively, but here's that map again. And you can see that the pale areas are in the south and also in the centre, including that Shaftesbury Ward, which is towards the top there. A few of us were at a meeting on Monday in the city, and there was a lot of talk about uh, young people who are hanging around in the city centre. And one guy told a story about how he was in McDonald's in the city centre and he bumped into a group of young people uh, from East Belfast. And he said to them, why, why are you down here? Surely there's lots of places up in East that you could hang out. And they said, well, yeah, there are, but we want to meet up with our Catholic friends. Uh, make of that what you want. But that seems to be a picture of what's going on, that sense that the city centre is shared space for us all to belong in. So I think we should agree with that statement. If we're thinking wisely... I think we should agree with that statement that the city centre is the most important place in Northern Ireland. And we should think strategically then about what we're going to do with that. And I want to suggest that if our ambition is the same as Paul's, if we want to see the gospel advance, 
uh, then we'd be wise not to think that we can just survive in small towns and in the outer suburbs, but to see the city of Belfast as strategic for the gospel. Last year, we were thinking about Paul's first letter to Timothy. I don't know if you remember doing that series here on Sunday evenings. You might remember that the key verse in that letter is in chapter 3, where Paul says that the church, us and all the people in Belfast, is the pillar and foundation of the truth, the gospel message. And a guy called Steve Timmis, who is a church planter, commented on this verse, saying... What this means is that the church is to elevate the truth so that others are drawn to it. And that truth is the gospel of grace. We are to litter the world with communities of grace, not with lighthouses on the edge of town, but hundreds of communities that mean that the light penetrates into the back streets. I think that's a beautiful vision for us to have for Belfast. For all the beauty of Belfast that we've been thinking about this evening, we know that without the gospel, it is a city that is in darkness. And so we need to litter the city with communities of grace. Back when the suburbs of northern industrial cities in the UK were growing at an almost uncontrollable rate in the Industrial Revolution... Uh, There was a famous Presbyterian minister in Scotland called Thomas Chalmers who tended to take a lot of interest in these kind of social issues. And he spoke about the magnitude of those suburb wastes which are formed so rapidly around the metropolis and every commercial city of our land. And he said that these created a lawless spirit and families which from infancy to manhood have been unvisited from any message of Christianity. It's kind of hard to believe now, but it seems like the suburbs were the sort of frontier places in our land for the gospel 100, 150 years ago. These were the Christians were all in the city centre in the old churches, but people were going rapidly out into the suburbs, but there was no one there to share the good news with them. And I'm guessing that that was one of the reasons why James Tolland came to Ballyhackamore 100 years ago to share the gospel in a place that hadn't been hearing it for quite some time. And it's quite interesting, isn't it, that now the situation is almost exactly the other way around. The churches and the Christians in our city are mainly in the suburbs. We're something like a jellyfish as Christians. We're all tentacles and not much in the middle. But Belfast isn't like a jellyfish. It's got a giant heart in the centre of it. And the heart is the bit that is most dark. It's the place of greatest deprivation. It's the place of greatest cultural and economic activity. And yet the communities of light are smaller and fewer and very possibly shining less brightly than those in the suburbs. As we went round on that bus tour, many of us noted the many, many churches that there are in Belfast. We should probably say church buildings, because a lot of them are empty. But imagine what it would be like if those grand old buildings in the heart of the city were filled again with communities of light. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see Christians filling the city with faith, hope, and love? 
Imagine what it'd be like if Christians in Belfast were looking to grow communities of light wherever there are people, east, west, north, south, central, suburbs. One of the things Emma and I like to do is, uh, when we come back from Bangor visiting Emma's parents, we like to drive over the Kurigantlet Hills, because it means you get a great view of Belfast as you come down the hill. Particularly at night time, you get to see all the lights um, kind of stretching around the lock, from Ballybean to Malone Road, the Falls, uh, up until um, Sydenham, uh, all those different places. And wouldn't it be wonderful if, as God looks at Belfast, if he saw something similar? If he saw communities of light scattered all around our city, in all the different areas, all full of people giving thanks to God for our city, uh, full of people who are loving the people around them and the place that God's put them, and trying to reach out with the gospel wherever it, it needs to be heard. I think that that might be God's passion for Belfast. Uh, So if you agree with that, why don't we pray that that might be ours as well. Let's pray. Our Father, we want to thank you tonight for our city. Thank you for the great privileges, the great blessings we have as uh, members of this place. Uh, And Father, we want to say, what can we repay to you for all your goodness to us. Father, we pray that we might be loving our city. We pray that we might be servant-hearted and working out ways that we can bless this city as Christians and so make the gospel more attractive. And we pray that we might be wise as we think about how we, as a community, might think about where and how and who we should be serving. We pray that, that the gospel might advance and your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen.